Welcome everyone to another episode of In Check with Fintech organized by PCN. My name is Rogier and with me on the show today is Daniel Breiler. Um, he's the CCO at Weaver. Um, Daniel has a background in banking and payments for the last 17 years. Um, he's worked for companies in the fraud space, well-known names such as Feeds in Africa, um, and now three months ago joined uh, Weaver as their CCO. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Roger. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Yeah, like I said, you joined three months ago. It's, it's fairly recent. Why did you join Weaver? It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so first of all, again, I just wanted to say thank you for this opportunity. I'm looking forward to having this conversation today. Um, why did I join Weaver? I mean, I've been looking for really the next really exciting technology, the next hot thing. I mean, I love my time at the places that I was at previously. Um, but I think with embedded banking, and for those of you that don't know, Weaver is an embedded banking provider. This is very much going to be one of the, the next hot coming things. So maybe it's worth me just spending a couple of minutes talking about what embedded banking is and what we do as an embedded banking provider. Yeah, please. So Weaver enables innovative companies, not just fintechs, across all the range of different uh, industries to integrate financial services within their platform or, or app. Uh, via API. So whatever service they're providing, they can embed the banking within um, within the actual application. Now, banking as a service has been around for, for a long time, um, you know, at least five years, people have been talking about that sort of thing. But embedded banking, embedded finance, these are very much hot new um, phrases that are coming up. And it's a very, very difficult and technical fix. And one of the things that I loved about Weaver was they're actually founded by serial payments entrepreneurs for, with over 40 years of, of experience between them and a couple of PhDs. And it's that couple of PhDs, the technical expertise matched with the, the industry expertise that they have that really excited me about what, um, about what Weaver's doing. Because the difficulty, as I said, banking, and, banking as a service isn't new, but it's costly and it's difficult. And it's been costly and difficult because banking is, is costly and difficult. So Weaver's all about taking out the barriers to, to entry. We're, we're fast, we're simple, and we're low, we're low cost. And that's that's because what, what's been built at Weaver is a, is a deep tech and low code platform that reduces the complexity through a simple coding language that with just a few lines of code can create a fully, fun fully functioning uh, set of banking APIs. And it was that bringing it all together, uh, low barrier to entry, really kind of being that um, empowering and enabling for, for entrepreneurs that want to do new, exciting things, that want to do that, that disruption, and, and they're trying to change the way that industries work. That, that really excited, really excited me. I can imagine. And it's entrepreneurs that aren't necessarily focused on the financial services space, but would need a embedded banking solution in order to innovate further in the industry that they are targeting. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the point being that embedded, everything is moving towards embedded banking, right? That, that's really the, the point um, of, of, what I, of what I saw. Um, if you think about so many of the huge companies today, uh, marketplaces, uh, on-demand logistic providers, um, restaurant, uh, food, food delivery apps, these companies are only able to do what they do because they control the, the, the banking within the overall application. Now, you don't always necessarily see it as a consumer. Um, it's the, the, you see the payment at the front end, which is the easy piece, right? E-commerce, e one-click e-commerce, that's not new to, to anyone. But behind the scenes, you have automation of payment flows. You have um, provision of, of banking facilities to 
to employees provide providing um, virtual payments, virtual cards set up to, to paying suppliers. And all of this thing is now done via APIs. That's an intensely difficult um, technological uh, overhead. That's without the, the banking relationship overhead. Now, we named a couple of different industries there. I think pretty much every industry is going to be is going to see that kind of vertical integration of different of, of, of payments of banking within the overall service because that allows them to create a better service for their customers, create additional value, and it's that creation of additional value plus the owning of the customer experience that they don't have when you're allowing other people to do the banking for your customers. You, you by bringing those things together, you're creating more value. You're creating a, a stickier. Uh, relationship with your customers um, and and you're owning all of the customer experience and it's going to become so you know whether or not it's marketplaces or on demand uh, or food delivery those things are we're expected now that's going to happen in so many different industries and being able to 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 disrupt the next industry is what's really exciting about Weaver's technology, the enabling ability of saying to an entrepreneur, you don't have to spend a hundred thousand pounds to, or even more to set up the, the, the stack you need to, to do that disruption. We're going to help you do that. And going to help you embed it inside of what, what you're providing to your customers. Yeah. And that, that's fine for the eyeballs, if you will, or for, yeah, g- gaining the, the customer's attention, gaining or owning the customer experience. I think is very interesting. What you mentioned there, um, especially with, from what I know is with the with the introduction of PSD2, you, you see that banks feel that more and more that fight for that eye, the eyeballs are uh, going other places uh, and the fight is real. Um, is this is this so hot because of PSD2 or is there other reasons as well that make this such a hot topic at the moment? I mean, PSD2 is definitely part of it, right? But I think it's, it's, it's as much about just pure digitalization as anything else, right? So... If you think about how we do things today, the, the way that we interact with, with technology, the way that we interact with, um, with our payment flows is becoming invisible, right? These things are moving into the background and it's, it's reshaping the way that people bank. So in, in the digital age, people are more demanding, right? And they're less forgiving. That's just been true for five, 10, 15 years now. There's no room for, for bad customer experiences. Companies need to get it right. First time, all the time. The point about embedded banking is it allows you to control the most often forgotten part of that customer journey. And the bits we don't like talking about, but it makes it work, the the paying, right? So yeah, PSD2 has definitely um, moved it on, but it's been happening for a while. I mentioned earlier, one-click checkout, that's kind of where it started. I mentioned earlier, the gig economy and marketplaces, these have all been evolutions of the same principle. And it's all about creating that great customer experience. It's all about having that phenomenal control, right? Because, like you said, the, the barrier to, to switching has, has really never been um, lower. It, if, I, if I want a service, the way I'm going to consume it nine times out of 10 is through my phone or maybe, maybe through, through a laptop. And there are minimum dozens, probably hundreds, even thousands of people prepared to give me that service, whatever it is that, that, that I need. So it, it's not that embedded banking is the next big thing. It's that embedded banking is the way to to solve all of those um, problems because you've created that much stickier relationship with with your customer. You know, the fight for your eyeballs. Well, you know, it's not just once you've got them, you need to keep them, right? So it's, you end up with more valuable customers because you're making more revenue because you own the banking. 
you end up with stickier customers uh, and, and ultimately you get more of them in the first place because you've got that great customer experience that they're used to seeing elsewhere. Yeah, it's becoming table stakes, but um, it, it's doing all of those things in one place that creates more value, makes it a lower cost to actually serve the customers uh, and then keeps them for, for a longer time. We started PCN 12 years ago with a view to serving the fintech community from a growth perspective. Since 2008, PCN has helped household names in fintech as well as the largest global merchants grow with the best talent who have specific financial technology experience. If you are a VC with a portfolio of fintech businesses, a scale-up looking to hire the best talent, or a merchant looking to hire a head of payments or an entire payments team, get in touch today for a no-obligation consultation on how PCN can help you accomplish your hiring goals. Oh yeah, I think part of the topic that we talk about today is that you kind of gave a uh, uh, a little bit of an insight into that already. Digitalization of society, right? How customer expectations have kind of moved on in a digital world. Why are we talking about that today? I think that because it's it's a kind of a do or die, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether or not you're talking about Airbnb having um, taken market share off of Expedia, whether or not you're talking about um, Duffel taking it off people like Sabre, whether or not you're talking about um, you know Uber taking it off every local taxi driver and, and Amazon after off pretty much every online retailer, right? It, it, it's happening. And if you, it, it very much is that kind of do, or, we're at an inflection point of, of do or die. It isn't that it's going to happen or that it's, uh, on the horizon, right? This is what we're doing right now. It, 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 the people have called the time we're living through the, the the fourth industrial revolution, right? That's kind of the label it gets a lot. It's bringing a faster change of uh, pace to the economy, the whole economy, right? So pretty much every industry than has ever been seen before. Um, so we're at this inflection point. It's very much change or die, and businesses that leverage embedded banking. They provide a better customer experience. They provide better products that are easier to consume. This allows them to win more customers uh, faster, retain them with lower effort and, and keep them for longer. That lower operating cost while selling them high revenue products is the, is the, it's not just the holy grail of where you want to get to. It's if you don't do it because everyone else is, you're going to get squeezed out. Other than that, there's not really any reason to talk about it right now, but that, that, that's my answer. Fair enough. All right. Okay. Do you then see now, I mean, has the current uh, COVID pandemic pr propelled the digitization or the interest um, or the growth of embedded banking in your opinion? I, I think it has. Um, so, like I said before, whether or not you want to call it the fourth industrial revolution or whatever term you want to give, um, even before the pandemic, we were seeing this really fast, um, widespread changes. But even with those, there were cool in, um, innovations that were taking two, three, four, five years to, to take place. There were shifts that um, in order for them to gain traction that, you know, you really needed that run up of, of multiple years. And I think the, the pandemic has, has accelerated those changes, right? So we're seeing years worth of shifts in, in months. I mean, probably the easiest example, or, or I've been talking to some companies and, and brand interactions have been forced 
further online, further uh, into the digital world. So where, where CEOs and, and boards used to focus on store ambience and um, the service that their, their staff were, were giving to create a positive emotional connection between the consumer and to create loyalty to the brand. Now, in, in the time of the pandemic, your interaction with that brand is almost wholly the domain, the domain of, of, of the website or, or, or the app more, more often. And this is going back to what I was saying previously. If that experience of the app, of the, the digital experience, the website is not as slick as the other digital experiences that a consumer's having in the pandemic. And like I said, that's pretty much all of our experiences are, are digital in, in the pandemic. If the experience that they get from your brand is not as slick as they get from the last interaction they had online or in an app, then they're gonna have a lower opinion of, of, the com of your company, right? And that comes with a lower level of, of engagement. Now, I'm sure you could have a really interesting conversation with psychologists as to how much that's subconscious, but it's it's unequivocally true, right? And going back to what I said earlier, with the barrier to switching being so low, if you don't give a great um, experience in, in the digital economy, you, 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 you're not going to exist. Conversely, if you do it really well, look at, look at Clubhouse, they went from nothing to a billion dollar valuation in pretty much the blink of an eye, right? So this is what I mean about the acceleration um, of... Uh, of existing trends um, have basically mean that all of our interactions are digital. So you, so you have to get this, this right. And that's very much, again, where embedded banking um, comes in. So you, you've, um, you've heard that truism, right? That people are more likely to leave their spouse than they are to leave their bank. What's the best way of making sure you have a sticky relationship with your customer? Well, provide them with the banking. Uh, and that's gonna, that's, that's gonna become an absolute must have if it isn't already. Is it still the case, though, because you just said the barriers to change from, uh, at least maybe I misunderstood, but from what you just said was um, the barriers to change from financial service provider um, has certainly lowered. The, the um, over Sorry, the, the barriers to change has, has lowered for purchasing, for um, our watching habits, et cetera, right? But, the, but banking is still one of the, the, the highest barriers, right? So the, the point I'm making is to businesses, you have to integrate banking into what you're doing in order to have that high barrier because the high barrier doesn't exist if I just want to find a service. If I just want to find a product or a good, that's clicks away. That, that's no effort at all. But opening a bank account, there's KYC and there's um, funding mechanisms and it's, oh, it's a pain. All right, fine. Well, I've done it now. Great that's a hassle I can't be bothered to go through again. So what are the what are solutions that companies offer to adhere to this to maybe make it convince the consumer to change to their uh, banking solutions or um, to other financial solutions that they offer? So it is absolutely going to be all about the, 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 the user experience, right? The, the customer experience, the slick um digitally native um, experience. Um, lower friction, um, higher level of reward, higher level of value, right? So compare the idea of um, only putting your hand in your pocket for your phone, right? That's where you wanna get to, where and everything exists in, in, in that phone, the bank, yeah. the, the, you know, your, your identification, et cetera, with the non-great uh, user experience where I've got a, um, go and find my card. I've got to go and find my my uh, driving license. I've got to 
remember my previous password, whatever it is, right? So that there's you've got the frictionless um, do everything that I want without knowing that I want it, right? Without me even having to think about it. Or you've got the clunky um, multiple interactions um, going away to go and find your wallet, etc. It really is about that. Can you get a great customer experience where there is no um, fr- there's no friction, there's no effort, there's no um, everything's invisible and behind the scenes. That that's that's the point. That that's that's the that that's the aim. Is there then certain things that you see that always work well in order to offer that great customer experience? I think you talked about indeed having a unified experience across all platforms for similar brands. Is there other stuff as well that you see that works very well in order to you know, have that customer experience be at its best? So I don't know that there's a, that, that at some point you just keep on saying the same things over again, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's about having low friction. I mean, we talk about personalization. We talk about data allowing you to create personalization. I think that is probably the the, the other thing that, that really works. Um, to what extent can you understand the customer and, and be predictive of what it is that they that they want ahead of time? And, and obviously data allows you to, 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 to do that. So it really is that remove the barriers to doing the things that you want to do where you've got data that allows you to both suggest things that maybe people haven't realized that they want yet um, or uh, to smooth the path because so many other people are doing similar uh, things. That's probably the the one thing we haven't really talked about yet. To what extent can you use um, you know personalization uh, and understanding of your customers to, to tailor specific offers to, to them? But again, that's really about driving low friction and a great customer experience. Yeah, exactly. Does it differ per sector? Do you see a lot of differences um, in the sectors that uh, you guys serve or in general from your experience? Sure. Um, so look, we, we work with clients across a range of different um, sectors. And obviously, it, there are different problems in each of their industries, right? Different specific benefits that they're providing. Um, we kind of group it into into so we work with all sorts of different innovative um, and disruptive companies, but we've bracketed it into into three high level um, groups. So what we call cash of society, um, the second one is future of work, and then the third one is financially integrated digital businesses. So let me just kind of unpack those a little bit for you. Um, cash of society moves this it includes this move towards wearable payments um, and, and the continuing growth in cryptographically secured uh, payment types, the most common of which is, of course, Bitcoin. And I'll come back to to wearables, especially a little bit later on. And then future of work, this has got multiple threads. Um, The continuing trend to a distributed workforce and the desire of workforces to have more flexible um, employee benefits. This forces companies to to be more creative about putting together the packages that they offer to employees. Um, sometimes, by the way, those employees have multiple employers, so they expect to be able to port the accrual of, of benefits. Um, and beyond, well, that, that, that's kind of, um, some of that becomes the gig economy, right? Um, and that's, you know, a very different way of working to the previously really static employment contracts that were the only way to employ people for, for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So that, that's, that's future of work. And then the last one that we talk about is financially integrated digital businesses. So this is a term that we've coined. Um, and as it very much sounds, it's companies where 
the financial element of the service is the the heart of what they're doing so it but maybe not historically obviously so right so online marketplaces is a very obvious um example but probably what we're seeing a huge amount of growth in is the the vertical integration of all these different um professional services industries so whether or not um you've got legal you've got accounting but also um like i said at the beginning industries that involve major major movement of funds so insurance and property and lending so across all of these there's a couple of common themes and sometimes it's about the consolidation of multiple service providers to to improve efficiency sometimes it's about the time spent on a complicated issue and how digitalization reduces the friction in a, in a legacy process. Um, other times it's about increasing options by uh, leveraging the, the APIs, uh, API connectivity in an existing marketplace of legacy providers. And that gives your customer a, a greater freedom and you know, greater choice, greater value. The underlying theme, that I'm, and I'm kind of almost boring myself a little bit over here, but it's all about creating a, a great customer experience, right? So whatever the use case, whatever the sector that, that we're working in, the focus is the same, right? That great customer experience. Or to put it a different way, across all of these different um, uses of, of embedded banking, the things that unite that um, brilliant customer-centric application, that's far, and, and the, the value that that creates, the value that the customers are looking to, the, the companies are looking to give to their users, that is what makes them all unique and it's far more significant than what makes them different. You mean that there's a lot of overlap between those three um, as well as the ways in which they approach customer experience? Yeah, they're all doing it for the same reason, right? Because yeah. they want to have more customers that, well, first and foremost, because if they don't do it, they're going to die, right? It's, it's like I said, do or die. It's very much that. But they're doing it because it allows them to provide more value to the customer. It allows them to reduce their operating costs, um, but it allows them to offer a better overall customer experience. And it's true in each of those different um, sectors that, that I talked about. So, yeah, the, the, over, the Venn diagram of the benefits is, is almost three concentric circles. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing, and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com. Interesting. So we got cashless society, future work, and financially integrated digital businesses. Can you give some examples of what, what you guys, what Weaver does to facilitate towards these? Sure. So um, I said earlier that banking as a service isn't new, right? But I also said that it's costly um, and it's it's time consuming, right? And, and I threw a figure out kind of flippantly of 100,000. You can easily, we've had loads of people tell us that that first transaction for any of these businesses costs them anywhere from, 100 to the highest number that I'd heard was 300,000 pounds, right? And I'm sure that's only the tip of the iceberg. I'm sure there's some that they've spent even longer on. We enable companies to get up and running really quickly and low cost by reducing the complexity and we help to manage the compliance. So I talked earlier about it being a, a deep tech, low code framework. So we allow innovators to bank their customers 
invisibly via APIs embedded in the applications. And we're managing the compliance because the, the low-code framework limits the things that can and can't be done, which makes it far less risky from a, from a banking point of view. Beyond that, though, we have the flexibility because it's a, an extensible framework. We have the flexibility to bring an innovator's customer journey payment vision to life, right? It's not, here's the one thing that I've done a hundred times before. It's, we know your industry, it works really well. This is what we're going to do. You know, what do you want to change? Which levers do you want to pull? Um, now, in the past, like I said, setting up these sort of capabilities would take you six, nine, 12 months, even longer, right? And we talked about the pace of change in the industry, that the reality of today's kind of digital business environment is that it's the fastest change in landscape there's ever been. So 12 months later, the trend you wanted to seize upon has already evolved into something else. And you've just spent the better part of a quarter of a million pounds failing to seize on it. That's a really uncomfortable conversation to have with your board. So we allow innovators to get up and running in weeks or months with minimal outlay uh, and a commercial model. So Weaver really only gets paid in inverted commas. It only works for us if the business takes off. Our, our success is intrinsically tied to that of the success of our customers. We have no chunky um, setup fees and you know very, very minimal monthly fees. You're not paying us four, five, six thousand pounds a month, irrespective, you know, basically on, on, on zero um, throughput. Cool. Can you maybe give a bit of, of a specific example um, of a company that you guys work with and a solution that you provide, let's say, within the future of workspace? Sure. So um, great example of a customer. Uh, they're on our website, a company called Thanks Ben. So this example, um, they're an employee benefits platform, right? And what they basically do is they simplify expense management for both the employer and the employee. So if you think about how um, companies put together benefits packages, they're often pretty static. But what if you were able to have a range of suppliers and you were able to allocate uh, budgets to your employees to spend at different um, suppliers? And then that money needs to be both allocated, the budgets managed, the uh, payment to the suppliers managed, and all of that then needs to be reconciled as well. Well through Weaver, we're able to combine the payments infrastructure with that marketplace to provide a slick and simple solution in employee benefits. So we're integrating uh, the corporate wallets, uh, the card issuing capabilities, and then automating both the payments and the reconciliation through, through an easy to use portal. So that's a perfect example of um, a really innovative company providing a great new service to the marketplace, really shaking up the kind of quite static world of, of employee benefits, doing it through um, API uh, automation of embedded banking within their, within their platform. That's really cool. Is, is it the solutions that you build for these kind of companies, are they all bespoke or do you have a, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if standard is the right word, but you have a, a standard range of products and services and that you then maybe change where necessary, but it's more or less the same across the board? You've actually described that really quite nicely. Um, one of the benefits that I mentioned already is the idea that we have this um, configurable framework, right? This, this low-code configurable framework that allows us to um, programmatically create what we call payment models. Now, we have pre-approved uh, a number of those with, with banking partners, and this allows us to be very fast to market. 
Um, additionally, because it's um, all uh, programmatically available and what you end up with is the, the, the code effectively generates APIs, you can add additional um, context to, to, to via the, the payment modeling language. And that allows you to create the next part of the service, if you will. So yes, we have uh, a lot that's pre-approved, but creating the next um, piece, adding additional payment instruments, doing uh, different payment flows. This is not difficult with, with Weaver's platform and it's deliberately built in that extensible um, low code, managing the complexity um, fashion. That, that's really the point of, of, of the technology. Great, that makes sense. I think with all the developments that are continuously going on within the space, um, I'm sure you want to keep innovating. So, uh, so that makes a lot of sense. In line with that, then, what's next for you guys? What's next for Weaver? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, who knows what's going to happen in the world? Full stop this year, right? Mm -hmm. But I think I think we are going. We are living through a time of real change, right? So. Um, 2021 is going to be the year when entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, right, um, really grasp the fact that embedded banking is this power tool that will help them to, to grow and, and thrive. So for us, it's going to be about expansion. And that's that's twofold. So we're bringing some new products to market. Um, our mono product comes out at the end of uh, Q1 or you know, early Q2. We are a startup after all. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to be a pure API only business bank. You're also going to see us do more in the wearable space, um, an area that I think that's going to see huge growth this year. So we're, we're partnering um, to, to provide services in this area. The, the applications are vast, right? Event management, um, sports uh, complexes and sports events, holiday resorts, uh, plus the need for all kinds of different watch manufacturers, right, to kind of fight back against um, the, the, the impact or, or, of, of smart watches. Um, so that's kind of a, a product point of view. And then the second part is, is really about ensuring the success of, of our customers, right? So those dynamic innovators, the, the guys disrupting their industry that I mentioned earlier. So as they work with us and we drive incremental value to their customers, it's our job to, to make sure that they're a success, right? So when I joined, you mentioned that I joined three months ago, we didn't have a, a, a live client, right? We've now got several happy live clients. And actually literally yesterday, one of our clients released a video of them doing their first ever live transaction, loading Bitcoin onto a card and spending it in seconds. And these are clients I should add, whose feedback has been fantastic in refining some of our processes and offering. I, I have absolutely loved the first three months I've been here and I couldn't be more thankful for, for our amazing customers but that's that i'm kind of by the by we've got several happy uh, clients live already we've got another half a dozen that integrating um and i've lost count of how many we've got in the pipeline um if my boss is listening don't worry i haven't actually lost count that was just me being glib um so i guess at the end of the day, it's it's my job, it's everyone's job at, at Weaver to, to execute on that idea of making sure that we have lots and lots of happy live customers. Because like I said earlier, their success is our success. So that's the second part of the expansion story, I guess, making sure that everyone that we're working with is a, is a roaring success. Watch the space, I guess. Watch this space, exactly that. <laughs> Maybe I'm not sure if this is a... Uh, view that Weaver has, but what's your personal view on the future? Do you see in the future that um, 
most of the uh, digital companies will provide and need a financial services solution? Yeah, I mean, yes, I think is, is the short answer to that, right? So you've heard it said before that in the future, every company will be a computer company or every company will be a, a data company, right? And I think the whole point about embedded banking is, yes, every company will need to provide financial services. It it might not be to every person they're interacting with. And I think that's important to remember because as a consumer, we often get, and you know, we're all, we're all in the industry, so we can normally take that helicopter view. But on the other hand, the majority of times that you spend money, I spend money, it's on the consumer individual level. So I think every company will have to have the ability to offer financial services. Sometimes that'll be to the supply side, sometimes that'll be on the buy side. Um, it won't necessarily be all of it. Um, and I think in time as well, it will it will it will go beyond what we're thinking about now. I think you know, why why would you not be able to look to offer finance, right? So, well, in fact, actually, you know, the, the the finance thing, the buy now, pay later, that's that's blown up, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's companies like Klarna that and Afterpay that are powering that sort of um, activity, but effectively they're embedding it inside of so many other people's um, businesses, right? So, effectively, you have that. Uh, lending at, at, at the checkout so I think yeah there's this push in that direction and I think maybe if I was to slightly rephrase your your question it's not will everyone have to be a financial services company it's will everyone have to offer financial services and that's kind of the point of, of embedded banking right you don't have to be the bank yourself but you have to offer the banking capabilities Effectively, yeah. you have to bring the bank to the customer exactly yeah with the customer experience in mind yeah nice uh great danny well thanks for uh for sharing your views and yeah for also uh being on the show it's been it's been great to have you if our listeners want to find out more where can they find more about weaver where can they find more about you where should they go um if they want to know more about me that's a scary idea but if they just want to know more about the the company it's weaver.io um you'll be able to find us there obviously we've got linkedin um twitter all all the usual as well all right okay great thanks again for having you for being here sorry great to have you no real Um, pleasure thanks mate yeah likewise and um thanks uh, everyone for tuning in tune in again next week um if you haven't subscribed to us yet please do so uh, via apple Podcasts or spotify and uh hear you next time thanks for listening and we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from a partner free a girl who are dedicated to finding child prostitution and impunity all over the world hi i'm eveline CEO and founder of Free a Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away, together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freeagirl.com for more information. Thank you.